Talk Faithful. Your host, your boy, George Mackay, back in studio again today. And I've got a straight talk wrestling OG. My second guest all time is back on the show for another interview today. I'm so excited to have him. Please welcome the Destiny World Wrestling Champion, one half of the Impact Tag Team Champions of the North, the walking weapon, Josh Alexander. How are you, buddy? Good, man. How are you? I'm so good, man. Thank you so much for taking the time out in this crazy time the world's going through for you and I just to forget about all that and talk some wrestling. I am so jacked and excited to have you on the show again. Yeah, no problem, man. It's not like I can say I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really can't. You actually you do have the time, so that's a very, very good thing. Very yeah. good thing. So how have you been keeping up through all this? I mean, I uh, one thing I love the most about what's happening right now in the quarantine is seeing everybody's creative juices and creative sides coming out. And what you and your wife are doing, the quarantine diaries, I live for these things every time they come on Instagram. They are absolutely hilarious. They are from you guys are both you guys have great chemistry obviously because you're husband and wife, but the videos you're putting out, man, they make all the bad news in the world of those days when those videos drop. They make it, you forget about them completely for a couple of hours, which is fantastic. Oh, I can't take any credit for any of it, so it's all her. <laughs> well, she's she's doing a great job, and yeah. she's annoying you to the extent and the jubilation of all the fans. So we, I want to give her a shout-out and thank her for that. Well, she'll appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, she works very hard on this stuff. I just kind of roll my eyes and am a sound spectator. The, uh, my favorite one has to be the dad jokes one, where she would call you in the same room <laughs> and she would give you the dad jokes. And your reactions were 150% priceless. 150%. Yeah. That was all real, man. Uh, yeah, I have no doubt about that. No doubt about that. But let's talk, let's talk the last year. Let's talk from last January when um, I was able to actually share the clip online. I got like 25,000 views on that clip of Scott Demore offering you the impact wrestling contract and it literally i i literally took over the internet for that day Twenty five thousand views on twitter so many people messaging me about like some people who knew you who you were and they were so happy some people who didn't know and i just told everybody pay attention because he's going to be huge and you have had quite the year man from destiny side of things to all the indie stuff you were doing plus the impact stuff i mean can we talk about that moment in particular though when scott offered you the contract what was that like for you? Uh, it was overwhelming. I mean, I think it would be for anybody at that time. I was like 13 years into my wrestling career, the whole story of everything, you know, being taken away, coming back, having to work harder and all that stuff. Thinking it would ever happen and then having it happen right in that moment. I mean, if it was, it happened in the perfect place and probably at the perfect time because I've, I've, I've honestly never been more ready for an opportunity like that and I've clearly made the best of it, so... Yeah, overwhelming would be the word I'd use. Oh, 100%. And I love I love right away putting you with your, your former partner, your old tag team partner, Ethan Page. You guys created the North, and you literally took over the tag team division. And, I mean, that must be great for you to be back with your one of your best friends, uh, working the ring again together, and defending the gold together. I mean, that's that's got to be the most exciting thing thus far, is you two being able to work on the same promotion again on a regular basis. I mean, yeah, it made it a very easy transition for me because, you know, going into a new company where, sure, I have wrestled there before for, like, 
explosion matches and stuff like that. I've been around a lot of talent over the course of my career. A lot of people did know me, but a lot of people didn't know me, especially from like the booking and production side of it. So walking in with somebody that was already under contract there for over a year that they were familiar with, and then me kind of, you know, getting shoehorned in with somebody that could help me maneuver those, uh, you know, problems that most people face, it made it a lot easier to transition. And then, you know, we've just busted our asses ever since because that's the only thing I know to do. Yeah, I don't think you've ever really learned how to slow down, smell the roses, and take it in. I think once you got that contract, you were already five steps ahead of the moves you wanted to make, how you wanted to progress in your impact career in your your first run. And I got to say, this one year has been a whirlwind. But not only that, the indie side of stuff. I mean, I got to see you take on Marty Scroll twice. And I'm a Marty Scroll guy, and I'm also a walking weapon guy. So it was very hard to figure out who I was going to cheer for on those nights. And both matches were electric. Both matches were incredible. And, I mean, I've seen you take so many guys to the limit. And yet, I've seen you take them to the limit. And it's always been respect after the fact. Michael Elgin. Um, uh, again, most recently, Marty Scroll. Uh, a year ago, Pete Dunne. Like, you, you can literally hang your hat with anybody. Your style changes to incorporate who you're going against. But really, through and through, you are one of the toughest sons of bitches in this business. I appreciate that. <laughs> Stepping in the ring with someone like Pete and Marty Skrull and, you know, the Destiny Don Cole of Arena, you know, it's funny because no matter how popular I might think I am there, uh, stepping in the ring with them, it's kind of humbling because <laughs> you see how many people are fans of them as well. So, Out of the two, because you faced both a couple of times, out of the two, who is the tougher opponent? Like the one that you felt you had to prepare a little bit more for. They're both tough, but there had to be one that maybe you worked a little bit harder at preparing for than the other. Oh, I would say Pete. I just, I went in a match with Pete with a completely different outlook than I did the match with Marty. Marty, I was more comfortable in a situation like that. Pete was kind of, you know, I had a lot to prove in that moment. I think that match is one of the reasons why I got the contract I got. So, you know, I knew all these things were at stake. People were kind of whispering these things in my ears coming up to it. So I knew I had a lot riding on it. So I just wanted to show up prepared and make sure I did you know, what I knew I could do. It's not like I was doubting myself, but uh, I just knew there was a lot riding on it. Oh, 100%. And obviously, I mean, it, it's proof in the pudding. If you, if you felt the contract was riding on that, you were right. Because guess what? You got the contract. So talk to me about when you're progressing through the tag team ranks with Ethan. You guys are getting a name out there. People are starting to know who the North is combined together. And then you guys win the titles. Talk me through that. I mean, a couple months into your, your first, you know, full-out contract with Impact, and you're already rocking gold. That had to be a surreal moment for you. Yeah, well, from the get-go, when we, like, I think we did an explosion match on our first taping in Windsor, uh, we looked at each other. We hadn't tagged in probably a year or two, other than, like, one or two matches. You know, all of our Monster Mafia stuff happened in, the early to mid 2010s sorry and uh we we just looked at each other and said we need to set ourselves apart from everybody in this company like right now the lucha brothers lax they're like the top dogs the tag division and we looked at what they do we obviously physically can't do some of the stuff they can do but we knew we could set ourselves apart by being the best tag team that's been an impact for a very long time so we want to emphasize and use the rules to our advantage we want to just set ourselves apart by making tag matches matter again because i think 
think a lot of stuff got lost in the shuffle with uh, some of the amazing athletic stuff that like the Lucha Brothers and all these other guys can do. And we just need to set ourselves apart differently. It was very strategic, but uh, you know, it worked out in our favor. We ended up getting rid of LAX entirely, and you know, it's almost been a year-long run with the tag team championships right now. And thanks to COVID nineteen, I think it might be so. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I'm a big fan of tag team wrestling. I love tag team wrestling, and you guys do definitely handle your business in that ring. You guys do it old school. You cut it in half. You're very, you're very methodical in the way you break down opponents and stuff like that. But push comes to shove, you guys can both kick it up. Your speed, both of you, is very, very underwhelming. Uh, you utilize it well. And the best part about it is, is that you guys have this swagger that you know you are untouchable. And despite the COVID-19 thing, the year-long run, if the COVID-19 stuff hadn't happened, the year-long run, I think, would have. It probably would have been well over a year, like you're saying, without COVID-19. But with COVID-19, obviously, it's going to happen. But when all this stuff subsides... And, you know, life gets back to normal and business gets back to normal. Is there any tag team that you kind of got your eyes on that you're looking forward to getting in the ring with you two? Oh, man, you put me on the spot with these questions. <laughs> we were just discussing at the last set of tapings we did in Atlanta that we've kind of run through every single tag team in Impact right now. We just had, you know, a couple of really good tag matches with TGP and Falaba. And... We were really happy with that, especially how it turned out. But we looked at the landscape of it, and like all these tag teams, we just thought, now we're waiting for the next tag team to step up. The only tag team that I can say in Impact Wrestling that's formed right now that we haven't been in the ring with ever is uh, Zachary Wentz and Desmond Xavier is the Rascals. We've done Trey and Desmond Xavier a couple times, but never the tandem of Zachary Wentz and uh, Des. So that was the only tag team we were kind of worried about right now. And we look forward to facing them. It just needs to happen. So, you know, I, we'll be waiting with everybody else. I am on pins and needles for that because when that match happens, the four of you will command that ring as you always do. And the four of you will probably lay down something very special to qualify for match of the year. Hands down, 100%. And that's one of the things I love about Impact Wrestling and everything they're doing now. But specifically what happened most recently with breaking down another huge barrier and crowning the first female heavyweight champion. Like, how do, you, how do you feel about that in terms of the barriers that have been broken with what Tess has done and with what Impact has done in putting their faith behind her to kind of be the flagship for the entire company? It's got to be cool to be part of a roster that's taking chances, breaking down barriers, kicking ass, and taking names. Impact always felt like... I want to say WWE liked for the longest time because anybody that was at the twilight of their career would go to Impact. But thankfully, Scott Demore and Gail Kim and everybody over there like yourself, Ethan, the entire roster, you guys have changed all that. You've now made Impact its own and you've made it very, very special. So from wrestling fans, it's a breath of fresh air, 100% for sure. So we thank you. I thank you on behalf of all my listenership. But what do you think about that moment in time, being a part of that particular history-making moment? I'm, I'm pretty honest with all this stuff. Uh, I think looking at it going up, like we, we do these championship meet, meet and greets on pay-per-view weekends, right? So the night before the pay-per-view, we usually have a, like a Twitch stream show where in, local indie talent can wrestle some impact talent, stuff like that. And as tag team champions, we're usually represented at a table signing 8 by 10s for fans. So we get to like watch all this stuff go on. And for a time, 
we were seeing Tessa's table. And if our table had, let's just say, 10 people for the sake of this story, Tessa's would have 110 every single time. So looking at this company, it would be stupid for Tessa, who is bar none, male or female, the most popular character, wrestler, or whatever in our company, not to be the one representing us as champion. Plus, since I started Impact Wrestling, she's carried herself like more of a professional than anybody I've seen. She's She busts her ass, you know what I mean? She looks the part, she walks the walk, she can talk the talk. She's not afraid to get in there with anybody, male or female. So to break through that barrier and be like a company that would take the chance on crowning, you know, our world heavyweight championship onto a female. I mean, it's cool. It's, it's like, I, 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 this stuff just gets me mad when people ask me these questions because a lot of the PWI, a lot of these people will just overlook impact because impacts fun to shit on. But I grew up watching Wednesday night pay-per-views with my friends and being a huge fan of impact wrestling. Sure. I fell off during the dark ages of impact, like, a lot of other people in the GFW days and all this stuff. Like I, I was not a fan of that. I'm completely fine admitting that to people. We got lost in the shuffle. They lost what I think made them unique, which was having a base and having AJ Styles and having Loki and having all these homegrown talents that were busting their ass and letting them walk away and go somewhere else and then signing whoever left that bigger company and trying to like make their name on that, which isn't the way because those guys aren't going to bust their ass and work as hard like people like me. So I think Impact's finding their way again. We're trying to make new stars. They're putting a lot of faith in guys like me and you know anybody else on the roster because we're going to work 10 times harder than these guys have already made their money. We're trying to make our names. It's not about money for us. It's still about passion for being professional wrestlers, and I think Tessa has that, and I think it's just cool. And, yeah, sort of tangent off on like the shitting on Impact thing, but it's true. No, you're like, right. People are going to find anything to complain about because it's fun to complain about things, but... You know, sometimes you just got to, like, realize what's going on around you and that we're all working hard and we're putting out a badass wrestling product. So. You 100% are. I mean, I, I as soon as you got signed, I went and I uh, I signed up for Impact Plus and I've been uh, watching you and Ethan and everybody tear it up. And as a father of two daughters, I couldn't be more prouder in that moment. When I watch, when my daughter watched that pay-per-view when Tessa won the title and she watched her hold that title up, seeing the look on her face... And how excited and happy she was as a wrestling fan, bar none, as a father and a rest, longtime wrestling fan, it was a huge moment. It's probably the part of this, the moment that I'll remember the most. I'll always remember Tessa winning the title, but seeing the look on my daughter's face, I'll remember it ten times more. And I think that's what you want. You want to get the younger generation hooked in as early as possible, and you want them to thrive. Because without wrestling parents like myself, like you, like your wife, like my wife, the next generation of fans won't be around there'll always be somebody that'll find wrestling and be exposed to it but a lot of time wrestling fans are built through family history you know what i mean yeah and for like little girls that saw that moment maybe like a lot of people don't think it's ever a possibility now they know it's a possibility they can do that too if they want to dream it you know what i mean so it's, it's just like that's that's the other cool part like i used to see guys that i never thought could be professional wrestlers like i, I saw kevin steen first started being a wrestler i was like wait he doesn't look that much like i i because I, I always thought i couldn't be a wrestler because you know i i looked at say anything like hercules or any of these guys like these are mountains 
these are giant dudes, LOD. And I was like, I can't be a wrestler. Like, what the, what the hell? And then I saw guys like Kevin Steen and Samoa Joe because I've never been blessed with, like, being, like, I had to work for 15 years in the gym to look as good as I look now, which is hilarious for how hard I work. But um, I saw guys like that, and I was just like, oh, you can be a professional wrestler. You don't have to look like a bodybuilder. Like, that's what made this possible for me when I started looking at wrestling schools. So, like, little girls are seeing Tessa win the world championship and be like, I could be a world champion one day. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool time to be a fan. It's an exciting time to be a fan. It's pop culture to, like, the nines with the resurgence of, of popularity and everything. And, and the great thing is is that WWE now is not the only game in town. You've got Impact making huge strides, t- t- changing the game, like I said earlier. Ring of Honor's there. You've got, you know, uh, AEW. You've got New Japan. You've got all these fantastic organizations taking names. But one of the things I love the most about wrestling is the indies. I pride myself on this Ontario indie scene that we have here. It's second to none. And uh, I'm honored to take the time out with anybody that gives me the time and to call a lot of them my friends and colleagues. And you are definitely on that list. And one thing I did want to talk to you about is um, the indie side of stuff. I mean, we had a big match coming up at the end of March, right before all this kind of lockdown and COVID-19 happened. You were supposed to go one-on-one with Jordan Devlin and Destiny Wrestling. Didn't happen uh, because of COVID-19. But I'm sure the Iceman's got something cooking for when this all subsides. Are you looking forward to when you can get into the ring with Jordan Devlin and cross that impressive talent off your list as well? Of course. Like I said, as soon as he announced the match, I was just like, I've kind of run through, especially with Destiny and George's relationship with all these guys, I've run through like the gamut of all these WUK guys. (laughs) And Jordan Devlin is the next guy coming up on that list that's going to be on like a tier with the Pete Dunn's and the Marty Skrulls and all this, if he's not there already. So, you know, it's just a badass opportunity for everybody, not just me, like the fans of Destiny Wrestling. So I really hope it happens. Oh, the fans of Destiny Wrestling, man. I love it. It's one of the best crowds in the indie scene. I mean, next to a, a Greek town or a crossbody, Destiny is at the forefront with electricity in that crowd. The Don Koloff Arena is always, always special. Always special. And um, every time I go there, every time I'm able to bring my daughter there, and again, that's, that's another thing i got to touch on, man, is how awesome you are and genuine you are with the fans. My daughter adores you. Uh, she's a huge fan. You've met her a few times. And she just, she was so bummed that she couldn't see you because she, she said to me that day, the day that uh, George announced that the, the show was put on hold, she said to me, she said, that sucks. I really wanted to see Josh hurt that guy. I'm like, you'll get to see him. Josh will take him down. Don't worry about that. She was bummed for a little bit. But then I went back and I showed her some of the clips from the old matches and stuff like that. And she just remembered why she was a fan. She, and she still rubs it in my face that you let her hold the Impact Tag title plus the Destiny title. And I have yet to hold either one. So she, you can let her know that I still have a bracelet in my uh, wrestling bag. It travels everywhere with me. So I will. I, will when I do travel. So I will absolutely. She asked me. She wanted me to ask you about the bracelet too to make sure you still had it. So boom, I checked that off the list. Um, yeah. One thing I did want to talk about is, despite all this COVID nineteen stuff going on, one thing all the wrestlers have been able to do is get some much needed you know time off. I understand work sometimes can be few and far between unless you are you know contractually obligated to one of the bigger organizations. And the indie side of stuff has slowed down astronomically. It's non-existent right now. But in terms of how much work you put in and how often you're on the road, how much fun has it been to be at home with your boys, with your lady, and just being able to kind of reconnect on the family side of things? I mean, it's been great. It's been like a great little reset 
usually, honestly, before if I had a weekend off, which I had, I had two weekends off all last year. And by the time the second weekend was rolling up, I was ready to go back on the road and ready to wrestle because you get this itch. Like, you want to perform. You want to do what, you know, I want to do what I, like, I've worked so hard to do. Like, there's nothing like being in front of a crowd, wrestling, doing what I love. But, like, uh, so, like, you get over that hump. So I went through, it was about 10 to 14 days in, I was just, like, itching, itching, itching. And then finally it set in, like, we might not have wrestling for six months maybe longer who knows like nobody knows this is a thing like people keep wanting to speculate oh by june 1st we'll be back i'm just like nobody knows anything that's going to happen right now it's all just speculation best guess so like it, it's been it's been great to be home especially my son he's 22 months old and i missed maybe the last 10 months working three jobs being on the road every weekend for the past year so you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of catch up with him. You can definitely see that he's uh, he realizes I'm home now and he's very happy about it. So it's oh, the best. Oh yeah, man, and like that's that's a future that's a future world champion right there. That kid, <laughs> that kid has some power. I mean, he scares me. I wouldn't want to go up to him right now. He's a scary, strong little dude. But that comes from good lineage of mom and dad, a hundred percent. One thing I did want to ask, and I, I'm curious. I, I haven't actually asked this question to anybody, so you would be the first one. Um, a lot of companies now are moving forward with kind of the empty arena thing. AEW is doing it. Uh, WWE is doing it right now. We're in the midst of going into part two of WrestleMania later tonight, which part one, I didn't know what to expect. And I got to say, I was thoroughly entertained yesterday. I really enjoyed what I saw. I don't know if you yourself watched it. I don't know if you watch any of the other stuff when you have your off days. Um, but the empty arena side of stuff, it's a challenge for any wrestler to not have that adrenaline of the crowd. You mentioned that earlier. What's your thoughts on the empty arena stuff? Uh, I, I do watch. I watch. I haven't watched any Raw and SmackDowns really, because I've still been busy in the evenings. Like, I'm reading books to my kids rather than like watching that stuff. And I'm I'm working construction full time, so I'm going to bed pretty early. But uh, I tuned in WrestleMania last night. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought everybody busted their ass. And, you know, especially even like the main event, I thought was pretty crazy. Like that's what I was hoping they'd do, so, like a cinematic experience of professional wrestling. Because like, if anybody can do it, it's the WWE. But like, uh, I, you you do lose the adrenaline rush. But like, I, I've wrestled in front of crowds of five people, man. <laughs> like, if somebody's paying me and flying me out to their show and they don't draw, like. I, I still have to wrestle. So I've wrestled in front of small crowds before. It's not something I'm uncomfortable with. Uh, there is still a certain amount, for me personally, of adrenaline you get just having to perform because it's way harder to perform. And, like, I'm up to the challenge. Like, I, I, I like having my back against the wall. I like being a little bit uncomfortable because that's when you have to rise to the occasion. So I think all the guys in WWE, like, they know – Vince McMahon's behind the curtain when they're out there, so they better do good. So that's a lot of pressure. Like they didn't get there not, you know, having to like get over some adversity. So they probably have some adrenaline going through their veins too. So a hundred percent, yeah. It was probably jacked up, wanted to make sure the show turned out the way it was, and there was a lot of great, you know, a lot of great things on the internet being said last night after it all. You know, people saying how great it was, how refreshing it was to forget about all the stuff going on in the world and just focus on some wrestling. And then, of course, you have the naysayers, because like you said earlier, people just love to shit on anything that's different, anything that's that's taking chances, anything that's trying to keep a sense of normal going. And uh, it's those fans, the keyboard warriors, I scratch my head at, and I, I kind of hang my head in an embarrassment that I have to share 
being a wrestling fan with those individuals. Because the ones that don't know anything about the business, don't know anything about the art form, don't know anything about what it is and how much sacrifices all of you guys put in to entertain us. They're the fans that get me the most agitated. And I wish that I could pull the Jay and Silent Bob thing and get a shit ton of money and fly to every one of their houses and beat the living shit out of them. Because they don't, they don't understand and respect the business. And that's what just infuriates me. So if, if you had a chance to kind of sit there, and I, I get it, you're, you're a fantastic talent. You've been through all the negativity, all the positivity. If you had a chance to sit there and just vent a little bit more like you, you already did about shitting on Impact. But if you had a chance to vent any more to any of these keyboard warriors out there that are only tough behind their computers, what would you say if you had the opportunity? And if this question is a little bit too uh, out there, no comment is completely fine. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. Oh, no, like, the keyboard warrior thing, just to start off, like, I'm very easygoing with this. I think anybody that buys a ticket to a wrestling show is entitled to their opinion, and I don't have to like it, but, like, I, I everybody's entitled to it, so that doesn't matter. Uh, like, my whole thing is, with especially with Impact specifically, is just give it a chance. Like, most of these people that, like, I've never got a negative comment in my life on Twitter until I signed Impact Wrestling, and then people started, like, having, like, you know, smart ass things to say and everything they say, it's just, it's stuff like if you watch the show, the answer is right there, but you clearly don't watch the show. So you're just saying something negative without even watching it. So like, I don't even humor it anymore. It, it just, it makes you as a wrestling fan, it, it takes me down a peg or two because I unfortunately get looped in the same bubble. But even though you and a lot of other people who know me know I'm very passionate about this business, still the fact that I have to share airspace with these people, it does infuriate <laughs> me from time to time. I'll be honest. Um, one of the things I did want to ask, and again, this is speculation, but I mean, every great tag team, once upon a time, will have to say goodbye. And you both are fantastic talents on your own. You're fantastic together, you and Ethan. But if the opportunity presents itself for a singles run, are you have you both kind of talked about it, crossed that bridge, or is that thought not even escaped your mind right now because you're focused on defending your tag team titles? Um, I mean, we're focused on like going down in the history books as one of the best tag teams of all time. That's 100% our goal. But uh, like we're very realistic about this. We both had very successful singles careers and still do in like different companies throughout the independence. We know that at any given time, either of us can be a world champion for Impact Wrestling or any other company. So we're pretty realistic about that. It's, it's definitely in the future, but uh, for right now, we're just working on being the best tag team we can be. Nice. And in the future, hypothetically speaking, just because I'm such a pessimist, in the future, will it be a Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty type breakup? Or will it be a kind of respectful we're still friends we'll see each other in the ring when we have to meet for that title and go from there <laughs> i mean if we had it our way it would be the, the latter but uh who knows who knows absolutely and that's the great thing about wrestling because you never really know even though you know you never really know things can change the landscape of so much and um it's just again it's a great time even though with all the bad stuff going on in the world to go back and go through the archives watch the matches uh, watch the pay-per-views. I was actually, you know, in, even though I know you so well and know your career so well, because I did the profile on you, we had the original interview we did with you, uh, I still had to go back and look at some of my favorite matches. And one of my favorite matches of all time is when you won the title uh, in turn while Pete was injured. 
You won the title in that amazing triple threat with Loki and Aiden Prince. It was actually one of the first times I was able to see you in action. And I got to say, to this day, that match to me, I, I watched that the other day. That match to me still stands the test of time. It still stands the test of time. It's hands down one of my favorite matches with you and another one of my former guests and a good friend of mine, Aiden Prince. And Loki in the mix was just fantastic. Uh, do you remember that, that that match? I mean, you've had so many, and I'm sure a lot of them stick out to you. But do you remember how good that match was? I, I don't, to no? be honest. <laughs> okay, well, i got to tell you, if you get a chance to go back and watch it, go back and watch it, man, because it was stellar. The three of you told one hell of a story, and that's exactly what wrestling is. It's, it's telling a story. And you three told something special that night. You had the ultimate underdog in Aiden Prince. You had you with the chip on your shoulder wanting this title, and then you had the... You know, the, the negative aura there in Loki trying to stop both of you from gaining what you wanted. And I think Aiden Prince's fan base grew that night. And I think you just cemented your already impressive legacy of being, you know, a two-time Destiny Wrestling Champion. Yeah, like, I honestly, leading into it, when I found out that Pete had to pull and all this other stuff, like, you get the disappointment stuff. And then the name gets thrown at me. Uh, yeah, Loki's going to fill in. And, like, to me, Loki is, well, he was probably one of the top three people I ever wanted to wrestle in my life. So getting an opportunity to do that was, like, perfect for me. So, uh, I mean, going into it, I was looking at that. And then Aiden Prince, you know, he came out of nowhere, like, a whirlwind. And, like, look what he's done since that match. Like, just getting put in a higher-profile match like that, where, like, I might already be comfortable, but he might not have had so much experience with. Like, like that was all he needed to get, like, a little taste to know that he's got to push himself a little bit harder. And I think he's, like, well on his way to being a champion one day. Oh, hands down, 100%. And, uh... I know it'll be in the cards in the future, uh, COVID-19 pending 100%. One thing I do love about having a podcast is that I've talked to so many wrestlers who have faced you. And I asked them all the same question. And the question is, how does it feel to take a Josh Alexander shot? And that question, I get the same answer from so many people, but it's always told a little different. Holden Pro said, he know what it felt like to be next to God. Von Vertigo told me his chest was bruised for three weeks. Um, I could go on and on and on, but the, the list goes on and on and on of the amount of uh, talent that you, you've stacked up with and that you've knocked right down. In the, in the indie scene, the amazing indie career that you've had, because like you said, it's been so long. Is there anybody in the indie scene that you haven't had the pleasure of getting in the ring with that you'd really like to, given the right opportunity? Uh, yeah, there's there's tons of guys that like there's guys showing up every six months that are coming up that I never really, you know, I may have met before and not really noticed because they hadn't been put in high profile matches and they get that one opportunity and I go, Oh damn, like I'd really like to wrestle that guy. Um, uh, on the Canadian scene, like I, I'm lucky I get to wrestle most of the people right away and I see them coming up, but like in the American talent, like, uh, like, the biggest name would probably be, like, Will Ospreay or some of these Japanese guys. Like, I, I want to go to Japan more than anything. So you can name any Japanese wrestler and he'd be high on that list of people I haven't wrestled yet. Um, just trying to think of, like, the one outlier. I think, like, Blake Christensen or Jordan Oliver. They're they're kind of, like, younger guys that are coming up. They're really high flyers. And like, I, I personally really like wrestling cruiserweights. Uh, I find myself to be 
I, I mean, I hope I'm not wrong in saying this, but I, I think I'm pretty fast for my size. I told so you that like, earlier in the episode. I said your speed is very underwhelming. You're, you utilize it so well. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I like to show I can keep up with these guys and, you know, like just like me and uh, Rich Swan from Destiny maybe a year and a half ago now. But, like, that was, like, the chip on my shoulder I had. I just wanted to show I could hang with these guys. And, uh, like, those two are coming up in the American Indies right now, huge. And I think they got, like, a really good future ahead of them. But I, I just want to get in the ring with one of them. Well, and any promoter that's taking the time out to listen to my show, if you hear this, when the world gets back to normal, book it. Because all I got, I just got a couple words to say to that is shut up and take my money. Both matches. Book them on the same show. Have you do one match in the beginning of the show and one match at the end. I think we could do that. We can make that happen. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. <laughs> <laughs> I 100% know you wouldn't. In terms of, you know, your career thus far and this impressive impact run, and even though it's been kind of thwarted right now by COVID-19, everything's slowing down. When you do get back to business, what are the next steps Josh Alexander wants to make in his career, other than what we've already discussed, like going down as one of the best tag teams in the history of the business? Yes, it's definitely plausible. What are the next steps for you as a performer to grow? Everybody's got those level up moments as I steal all the time from Holden Albright. That's what he called it. Level up moments. And there's no there's no way to say that you've reached your plateau because you have it. Everybody learns, grows, and evolves. So what's the next steps, level up moments Josh Alexander wants to take? Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately with all this time off. Because you're seeing a lot of guys, especially on social media, like even my partner Ethan Page as one of them, or Dan Housen, or all these people. The stuff they do for content, creation, and all this other stuff, and their characters, I mean, that's just not something I'm going to do. <laughs> I, I don't know any other way to say it. Like, I don't think that's my strong point. I've never invested time in that to make it my strong point. Um, I think what I love, and this is what I think, is that me, as a professional wrestler, in a wrestling ring, like the Eddie Guerrero's and the Dean Malenko's and all the William Regal's and the Fit Finley's and all these people in the past. That's what I've always tried to be. That's like my goal. And I don't think in a time like this, they would be worried about content creation on social media. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so my, the next steps of my career, I just want to go down as one of the best professional wrestlers to have ever been in a ring. That's, that's all I want to, I want to have some sort of legacy that if my name comes up, people actually remember me because I left before for a year, and honestly, it was great. I got a ton of support, but professional wrestling, the mind of a wrestling fan, I think there's a recency bias in it, and I think you're as quickly forgotten as you are remembered unless you do something substantial. So I just want to do something substantial. I want to be around for a long time for major wrestling companies such as Impact Wrestling. I want to go down as an Impact World Champion so I can put my name in the list with one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Kurt Angle, and Samoa Joe, and all these other guys that have done it before me, and just kind of follow in their footsteps and see how far I can get. I love it. I think the, uh, the goals are realistic. I think the goals are achievable for you. And I think uh, you're on the right mindset and the right track. And um, kudos to the guys that can do the social media and create the content and have the ability to. But you just wanting to be remembered for what you leave in the ring, that I think holds a special place for me. And, and that's why you're, you're one of my faves. You're one of my favorite guys in the business, period, hands down. Two more questions, and then we're 100% going to wrap it up. You started off your wrestling school uh, about a year, year back or so. And um, you... Uh, you had to unfortunately make the decision to close it. Obviously, I'm guessing schedule pending. 
So what what realistically is uh, what was the reasons behind that that you might have not already shared? You did share quite a bit on social media. Um, what were the reasons behind the closure of the school? Just schedule? Um, and there was a couple things. Like I'm not the type of like this. This is to disparage other wrestling schools, but like I was trained by John Divine. People can say whatever they want about him. He's probably garnered more heat in professional wrestling for being the way he is and being stubborn than anybody else. Like some circles, you say his name and they remember him as a great wrestler from the Heart Dungeon, and some circles you say his name and they remember him being a prick because he'll never say anything but the, what he thinks is the truth to you. Like he's not going to sugarcoat anything, and like it helped me grow up being a student of his, his wrestling school. But when he ran his wrestling school, he did so because at the time in Ontario, there were many wrestling schools just opening to make money. So it didn't matter who you were between the ages of 14 or no, even 12, sorry. There were 12 year olds and 13 year olds training at school all the way up to 70. They would take your money. They don't care. Like, they wouldn't be realistic with them and be like, hey, you're never going to do anything with this or you can't do this because not everybody can be a professional wrestler. So I kind of had the same mentality. Like, I'd bring people in, I'd give them a shot, and then after, you know, six weeks, if they still can't get through the first thing we're trying to teach them, I'd be like, hey, man, I don't think this is for you. Like, you need a different approach or whatever because nothing I'm teaching you is working, so we need to call it quits here. So, like, I... I had 26 students over the course of the year, and I think I think seven maybe finished total. So that's 19 people that came in and got shoved out the door in that year. I wasn't running it to make money, and I probably should have been because I lost a ton of money having that school open. So me and my wife looked at it when the lease was up, and they wanted to raise rent on us for the building. And it just wasn't fiscally responsible to keep open, no matter how much I loved doing it. Um, so it was just time to fold. And I think I did it at the right time because it'd be shut down right now and be paying rent on a building I wasn't making money from anyway. So, A hundred percent. And I, I think that's the, uh, I've heard that a lot about people just opening up the schools to make money. And uh, despite the fact that you could have easily done that, you decided to do things the right way. And that just shows the amount of wrestling IQ that you have. And the fact that you want to pass your knowledge down to the people who actually want the knowledge, who don't just think that wrestling is something they can easily get into. Oh, I can do this, no problem. No, when you get into it, holy shit, it's actually work. That's why I love the wrestling business, but I know I couldn't hang in the ring. I know this about myself, but I do know one thing. I can definitely talk. And if there's anybody out there looking for commentating, I'm waiting in the wings. But, um, <laughs> but Well, I you know, think the proof will be in the pudding with my students, so we'll see. Like, Ridley is... My like he was probably like the standout student of the year. He never missed a class. He worked tirelessly to make sure he was the best he could have possibly been. He made the most of every minute he was there. He was the first graduate from the school, and he had his first match against me in I think it was November. So you know he graduated in eight months, and now he's out there in the indie wrestling world, and hopefully he makes the best of it. Like I told him on the last day. I was like, you can do whatever you want in wrestling. Like, literally, you can do anything as long as you want to. It's up to you to do the rest. Because it isn't easy. That's actually was going to be my next question. If you could, uh, if there was a young fan listening in wanting to get into this business, what wisdom you could impart on them if they wanted to get in this business? And you just kind of answered the question. But I'll ask it anyways. 
if there is a young fan out there listening, is there anything else other than what you just said you may want to pass down to that young female or male fan trying to get in or thinking about getting into this business? Absolutely. I have uh, like a stock answer for this. I tell everybody, and I've told many young wrestlers over the years that ask me what they should do and all this other stuff. My answer is always, you have to work as hard as you possibly can. Like, think about how hard you can work and then work harder than that. Because if you don't, there is hundreds, if not thousands of other prospective independent wrestlers who are going to do the work. So it doesn't matter how talented you are, somebody's going to outwork you and become better. Because I learned this the hard way. My first 10 years of my wrestling career, I got by based on I would if you showed me one thing in the ring, I'd pick it up and I'd be able to do it great. And wrestling came very easy to me at the start. I got by on just talent alone. Not athletic ability, not my body, not my look, just my talent. I could have better wrestling matches than other people quite easily. And I thought I could get by on that and get to the top, and it wasn't the case, and it wasn't until I hurt my neck and realized all the time I squandered not working as hard as I possibly could that when I came back, now that's why I work harder than everybody else. 100%. That's the classiest answer that I've heard, and I want to thank you for that, and I want to thank you for the time. I'm going to let you go now. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. But, Josh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Like I said, I consider you one of the best people in the business, hands down from just how great you kick ass in the ring and how humble you are outside of it. I consider you one of my friends and one of my colleagues, and I'm happy to know you and share your story. And like I say to everybody at the end of an interview, as always, you are now a member of the Straight Talk family. You've been a member for a very long time, but anytime you want to come back on the show, you have my number, I have yours, you are always welcome. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and I hope you enjoy WrestleMania Part 2. And say hello to the family for me, and give Jed a high five, and tell him I'm scared of him. But I love that kid. He's the greatest. He's one of the coolest kids in the world. Will do, man. Thanks. All right. Enjoy your Sunday. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, guys, what can I say? That was Josh Alexander, the walking weapon, reigning, defending, two-time Destiny World Champion, one-half Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champion with his cohort in crime, Ethan Page. Amazing interview. This time, we actually were able to sit down in a quiet, serene setting to actually have a conversation because the last one we did was recorded the night that he fought Pete Dunne and retained the world, the Destiny World Wrestling title. We're very loud. The audio wasn't great. We made the best of it. But this time, I could say redemption. So happy with this conversation. So proud of this episode, as I'm proud of all my episodes. So don't forget to tune in next week. So you can figure, you can listen again and enjoy, share, tweet, uh, like on Instagram, like on Facebook, follow us across the socials, show some love, show some support, because Straight Talk Wrestling will be as round as long as there is somebody that's listening. As always, I'm your host, your boy, George McKay. Thank you so much, and I will see you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Thank you.